Sorry, yo, 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 yo. Welcome back to another episode of the Nick and Griff Show. We are happy to be back here. Today is Saturday, March 5th. It is 9, 19 a.m. We're going to give you the quick rundown here of what we're talking about to get started. First idea here, first topic, Bitcoin as a safe haven. Looking at the dollar price of Bitcoin, right, in regard to looking at the dollar price of Bitcoin. The dollar price has nothing to do with the store value properties of Bitcoin. That's topic number one. Second topic, what has to happen for Bitcoin to be seen as not comparable to the dollar? We'll break these down in more detail. Third piece, the relativity of inflation. Uh, inflation still high. What, what does the relativity, in, relativity of inflation mean? Uh, the next one here is what causes the pumps and the dumps, right? Uh, we've seen a lot of volatility in the markets lately. What causes those? I don't know. We're going to talk about it, though. Uh, a, a new one here, Robinhood. They've now got their crypto wallet out. Um, I was on the waiting list for a long time, and they they just gave me access to it. Uh, but I found out that it is not compatible with Moon Wallet or Blue Wallet. Um, I, I believe it. I, I think it said it had to be a non-segwit um, address wallet, which is, uh, you know, a, a weird deal. So. <laughs> Uh, the, the last one here, uh, well, the second to last, um, is, is about having conversations with somebody that doesn't like Bitcoin, that's not a pro-Bitcoin person, um, but for no real reason other than they just don't understand what Bitcoin really is. They don't understand the foundational pieces of it, the fundamental protocols of it. Um, and dude, it's tough to have a conversation with somebody like that whenever guys like you and I have the conviction that we've got. Um, and somebody's like, oh, it's, there's no real value because you can't touch it. And you're like, oh, all right, all right. So clearly you haven't read anything. And then finally, um, we might try to play some uh, devil's advocate type stuff with, you know, why can't Bitcoin work? What are the potential issues? What is, what is the most common argument against Bitcoin and some of those things here? But uh, let's, get, let's get into this market check here before we dive back into, uh, into those. Griff. What do you think? Uh, what do you think about the markets this week? Obviously, here we've got a couple of the top stories. We've still got war in, in Ukraine. Um, let's see here. What do you think, man? What do you think about stuff going on in the markets this week? Well, Bitcoin had a nice little jump, but one Bitcoin is really just one Bitcoin. So, you know, it's. I mean, like, and I mean that. So, I don't really know. <clears throat> I don't really know what they're. I don't know where it's going to go. I mean, like, honestly, up, down, sideways, that, you know, it doesn't really matter to me personally uh, all that much. So I don't know where it's going to go, Nick. I mean, I honestly don't think that <clears throat> I don't think Bitcoin can be quantified by just like one metric. I think it like there's like how many different uh, cookie jars does Bitcoin have its hand in? Yep. I mean, how many? So how are you really going to judge its investment value, like its U.S. dollar investment value um, by, oh, there's a war. Is it a store of value? Oh, it's legal tender one place. So it's medium exchange. Oh, but what if it's both? What if it means something different in other places? Yeah. What if in El Salvador, for example, you know, they're just like buying and selling with Bitcoin in certain areas because it's literally just better than their currency, more stable, just easier to transact better to use and what if some other countries you know they're a little bit wealthier so they can still use it as a store of value you know what i'm saying so 
uh, I think it's really hard to quantify Bitcoin. I think it's really hard to see where it's going to go because out of its $800 trillion market cap, yeah, I still think most of it is probably just like really big investors uh, hold a really high percentage or exchange. And a lot of it's still on exchanges, which is why it, of course they don't have a Sedgwick wallet. And of course it's not uh, connected to actual hardware wallets, Blue Wallet, for example, because they don't have the Bitcoin that they claim to have. And I mean, they can't just give everybody what it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I think everything's at in the markets. I mean, there's a there's an impending war going on. So everybody's a little nervous. Inflation's crazy. You know, uh, one th- this first piece here that, that you were hitting on is something that man, like it, it, it's it's probably one of the toughest pieces to try to wrap your mind around on the outside being on the outside of the Bitcoin world, right? Somebody that's not quite a believer yet, somebody that's uh, um, a skeptic and trying to figure things out. I think this piece here uh, talking about Bitcoin as a store of value and that the dollar price of Bitcoin does not matter at all when it comes to this. And And I'm trying to think of a quick example here of how this works, because the dollar is completely separate from Bitcoin. The The reason that we use the dollar to try to depict the value or, or picture the, the value of Bitcoin in dollars, the reason we do that is because we still utilize dollars every day to buy this and buy that, right? So it's kind of a way to wrap our minds around it. But but this is the example I'm trying to trying to maybe paint here. So I like to use something real simple. Imagine, Griff, you and I got a, you know, five rocks each, and, and those rocks represent all the value, all the economic value in the world, right? Now, let's say that previously, before we were using these rocks to store all of our value, we used, uh, we used marbles. Say we used marbles, right? And uh, we used marbles to denominate the value of our groceries and this and that and this and that, right? All the, all the other expenses. Um, but, you know, to throw out a couple of terms, easy money and hard money here, let's say that uh, we end up moving to these rocks as a store value because they were a harder form of money than the marbles, right? But we're still trying to denominate the value of our rocks in the marbles, right? But the true value of the rocks comes because of the true scarcity that there's only 10 total, and that represents all the value. That's where the, that's where the value is, right? That's where the store of value property is. It's in the scarcity of the thing, Right. And so to bring this back to Bitcoin, Bitcoin, there's 21 million uh, that will ever be in total supply. I believe it's somewhere around 18 or 19 million right now in total supply, as we'll have uh, that last, you know, I think it's 2% will be mined over the next like 150 years or something. Um, so that's the, the true value of the, the store of value piece is the fixed supply. And we're trying to denominate the value of that in, in the dollar that's being inflated at ungodly paces right now. Griff, what do you got? And I agree with everything you said, just to round off why Bitcoin's price uh, in US dollar is not why it's a great store. Easily paired with an actual example in history where they had gold, then they had silver, and then they diluted the silver, but they still had the gold a central authority speaking was holding it with Bitcoin, 21 million, you can have it. You 
family, whoever's listening to the podcast, Nick and I, you, it's your Bitcoin. So no government authority, no central bank, nobody has like more than you think, or where is it or any of those kinds of questions, who has all the money, who has all the power, we will know. So, so I think that contributes to the store value properties of Bitcoin, because decentralization uh, kind of just like, I think it is like a steroid for store value. But, yeah. you know, Bitcoin is not really comparable to the dollar because <clears throat> the dollar is, one, very soft money. Bitcoin is very hard money. But, I mean, and if you know what that means, like, the dollar is the softest form of money humans have ever had as a store of value. Fiat money, yeah. Fiat money, paper money, money that you can print, money that it doesn't really take anything to actually. There's no proof of work. Um, and Bitcoin is... Bitcoin is an energy dependent proof of work system um, that terahashes transactions for block reports. You know, I mean, it's a totally different thing. The fiat system is a Ponzi scheme. The dollar is a Ponzi scheme. It's only worth as much as the government will make you believe. Um, Bitcoin is not because of what we just talked about. It's not a Ponzi scheme if you actually have to put in work to get the Bitcoin. See, the dollar, yeah. Easily made. It's worth nothing. You have to buy in more to get more. It's a proof of stake system where the people who have the most in our country kind of make most of the decisions for everybody else with their money. Hmm. And it's because they've been able to take over these. There's only like 12 industries or however many in our. and the world and economy right there's 12 industries or so but you know when you have 12 industries and if even three four five of them are taken up by just one company that's a huge problem and i think that's why right off the top of my head like why bitcoin isn't comparable to the dollar just they're two totally different forms of money period and you will see if your country adopts bitcoin or you start saving bitcoin and understanding the concept of Bitcoin, <clears throat> you'll see that it can never be devalued by inflation. It can't be devalued by your government just wanting more, um, you know, tax breaks, what have you. So that's why I just don't see Bitcoin as comparable to the dollar at all. But yeah, so uh, kind of bring it back to that. Uh, so so it's funny because we're in we're in. I say it's funny. We're in a time right now where you know, Russia and the, the major Russian banks get cut off from the SWIFT system. That's actually happened now since our last episode, right? And, and you know, there's, there's obviously so much more happening that I'm not quite getting into, but um, that, that financial warfare is, dude, that's crazy. That's a crazy deal, right? And, and talking about then the, the store of value and safe haven aspects and properties of Bitcoin, you know, and, and then people, people will come to the, uh, People will come to their uh, to whatever they look at, uh, to whatever platform they use to look at the markets, and they see Bitcoin doing this over the past week, and they're like, "Oh, this isn't a safe haven. This isn't a store of value. The the value just dropped, right? Look at all time. It's like up and down and up and down. Like, okay, so how does that mean? But you're like, no, the dollar price does not matter at all. This is those five, th- those ten rocks that you and I have that represent all the value." The value of them is that they are limited and that they are scarce, that there's 10 total. And we're trying to denominate the value of these things, these rocks, 
in something that's less valuable than the rocks. This doesn't just, just doesn't make sense, right? If the dollar is going to continue to increase in supply because the Fed's printing money, which is in turn going to decrease the, the buying power of our every single dollar, which in turn uh, destroys the currency, destroys the store value properties of the dollar. If that's going to continue to happen and we're going to continue to, uh, to denominate the value of Bitcoin in dollars, it, it just ain't going to work. And, and what, it, what it will happen actually, what will happen naturally is because the buying power of the dollar will continually decline, the price of Bitcoin, because it's static, not the, not the price of the price of Bitcoin, not static, the, the supply, the fixed supply is static. We will have to uh, inherently spend more dollars, we'll spend more dollars to buy the same Bitcoin, right? And, and what that's going to do is it's going to increase in value, A, but, but it's not the dollar, the dollar price of Bitcoin has nothing to do with those store value properties, which is, man, that's a tough, that's a tough thought for a lot of people to get around that haven't gotten all the way into the details. Yeah, the, that's like the relative, like inflation is a thing that I don't think everybody understands <clears throat> well enough or is upset about enough because they're literally devaluing your time right and they're literally taking away money that you can't even see because yeah. it's handled by industry leaders that you don't know um yeah so I mean, unless you're getting your food from a farmer's market you know what i'm saying you don't really understand that impact week to week it'll hit you very slowly or they'll do things like say there were 12 chicken wings or like nick always says there was eight slices of pie now there's only seven but they're still pricing it for eight you know, and the problem with that is <clears throat> it, it makes everybody's life a lot harder and makes poor people poor, rich people richer. We, we don't, we've gone over that a ton on this show. Um, but I would say the, those are a lot of reasons why Bitcoin can't even be comparable to the dollar. It shouldn't, it's like comparing apples to oranges, to be quite honest with you. The dollar is a failed form of money. The dollar doesn't do anything other than be a dollar. Gold doesn't do anything other than be gold. Now, why gold might have worked for a while is at least it was a hard form of money. At least hard it was form of money gold. since Bitcoin. At least I picked it at one point in time. There's a lot of money in it, yada, yada, yada. But Bitcoin does so much more than both of those. Bitcoin is a network. Bitcoin is free global payments. Bitcoin unlocks third world countries and the dollar doesn't have that potential. The dollar is actually, if you want to know what is a problem with what's going on in the world, the dollar and how much power our government has with the dollar has caused a lot of worldwide issues. And that is another difference between Bitcoin and the dollar. Bitcoin is apolitical it's permissionless it's open source not controlled by anybody um even though you might see some of these pumps and dumps you might see some of these short squeezes griff you're uh, you're cutting out real bad here so i'm gonna i'm gonna jump in here and kind of move things to the next piece here so uh so we did so we talked about um the, the what has to happen for Bitcoin to be seen as not comparable to the dollar, right? I, I think that you and I would agree that that just, that, that just happens with people understanding more and more about what Bitcoin really is, right? Being educated, right? 
but but another piece that's really interesting that's a big Michael Saylor concept, um, but but it is it is the absolute truth is the relativity of inflation, right? Um, you know, we we look at uh, we look at the CPI as the barometer of inflation, um, and and that CPI may be accurate if you only buy those goods and services that are included in the CPI, right? Um, and so he talks about if if you're the if you're the lower uh, if you're the lower class, you're going to have um, a certain inflation number. Uh, re, uh, ref, um, what's the right word? You're going to have an inflation number that's different. Uh, because it, it is going to affect those individual items and services, things that you buy differently than it would the, the, all the assets and the real estate and uh, the, 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 the rich people stuff, right? Uh, if you think about um, the, the S&P 500 as this is like the barometer, right? It's ripped off like a 30% growth year in 2021. I think, I think it was 30, 30%, somewhere around there, whatever the actual number is. Um, if you're a, if you're a rich person or if you're trying to be rich, that's your inflation rate. That's what you've got to beat. That's what the market. That's how much the market has grown in that year in 2021, right? That's your inflation rate. That's what you've got to beat to stay even, right? Because it, it, it's it's right. We talk about economics, right? It's the opportunity cost. I mean, if uh, if you or if you or I uh, were wanting to become rich, which you know I, I think that would be nice someday. Um, we have to we have to at very least keep up with the market right and if we use if we use the S&P 500 as some type of barometer to what the market is whether that's inflated or not um it it, it does give us some idea of what the market is doing out there now obviously it's extremely inflated right now the the uh the monetary inflation that we've seen with the dollar and this was an interesting concept that I was listening to in that podcast that we were listening to earlier, Griff. Um, it is uh, this idea that inflation doesn't always manifest itself in the same exact ways. And, uh, and what, it, what, what the idea was is that maybe, maybe money gets printed and a ton of that money gets pumped into the markets and the markets shoot, right? That's one, that's one way that inflation could manifest itself. Another way is that uh, people are spending more of their dollars on goods and services. And naturally, because there's more supply of money in the markets, prices are going to go up. So maybe inflation manifests itself in that, in that direction with prices going up, right? And, uh, and, I, and I think there's probably a couple other examples that I'm just not aware of, right, um, as far as different ways that in, inflation can manifest itself. But that that idea of relativity of inflation is is interesting, right? Because it all depends on the, the basket of goods and services that you buy. Yeah, I that's covered. Kind of alluded to our next little topic here, and money being so soft, and there's so much in the ecosystem. Bitcoin being a commodity, largely still uh, its own asset class, but it's like a commodity, digital gold or however you want to say it. <clears throat> Since 2008, there's always been quantitative easing in Bitcoin's market. So how much of Bitcoin right now uh, is a pump? How much can be dumped? What, where are we at in the cycle? Um, what kind of cycle is it really? Will Bitcoin go down from here? Will Bitcoin go up from here? That's why I'm saying you can't, you don't, we don't really know because it's only been about 12 years 
I think that's why it's important to dollar cost average your way in um, and just ride the pumps and the dumps, you know, try to times, you know, I mean, if there's, if you're, if we're price searching, right, like if it goes over 69,000 and it's just like a straight vertical line up. Yeah. I mean, like Bitcoin will have a high volatility until it reaches. Till it finds a new equilibrium. Yeah. I thought of dollars worth of one bitcoin there's going to be volatility that shocks people for a while just think about if russia starts taking bitcoin for their oil how much it will spike once they get it and then how much it will go down once they sell it you know what i'm saying like things like that i feel like will also happen on a global stage um which is why you'll see fucking hundred thousand dollar candles at one point crazy stuff uh but i mean what causes the pumps and dumps is that bitcoin truly is still a speculative purchase for the majority of people and the majority of people have the majority of the money so the majority of the money is still uh, unsure about bitcoin so it's not it only has not even a trillion dollars in it when the bond market has 400 trillion the real estate market has even i think more than trillions like in it trust me there's a big enough market for bitcoin to capture Gold is a ten trillion dollar market cap, and if I cut out, you just gotta go. But uh, yeah, so I think that's what causes the pump dumps. Is it's just early, and there's not as much, not even as much as gold. Um, so I feel like that's why you see the pumps and dumps now. I don't know why people buy it as a speculative asset. You want to custody your Bitcoin? I think custody. Bitcoin is important. It is yours. Now, when you want to start operating a node, which is what everybody will eventually have to get to in some form, whether uh, phones are able to have a, their own node on them already so that you can interact with Lightning Network systems. You know what I'm saying? Like Apple could very easily put a node in here, make it strong enough somehow in the future. And all of a sudden you're connected to the global economy via your iPhone and they still have a monopoly market. But I think the main thing is like the storage, right? I mean, I think the the minimum that you want yeah. to start with storage wise is like a terabyte, you know, so then you got to find how, how, how could you fit that, you know, within. Uh, yeah, how could you but they do, you know what I'm saying? I mean, things well, happen. Well, I think we started yeah, off the podcast really. Hey, I'm just saying it, it could happen. But um, so, so I want to go back here. So on, on the, the pumps and dumps, man, this one, this one is, uh, is tough, right? And it all kind of goes hand in hand with people looking at the dollar price. They see it go up and they see it go down. They see it go up and see it go down. Um, you know, the, the, the market cap of, of Bitcoin is so small relative to all of these other sectors out there. Think of securities, think of real estate, think of gold. Um, it, 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 uh, it is very small comparatively, right? And so what that means is that as as bigger as bigger institutions, bigger individuals start to pour into the space, as we're seeing right now, um, there's there's a lot of money going in, there's a lot of money coming out, there's a lot of money going in, a lot of money coming out, and whenever the market cap is so small comparatively, right, relatively to everything else, it's much easier to influence the market. Meaning, um, let's say that uh, you know you and I have. Uh, you know, a hundred billion dollars, and we're like, hey, we're going to put all of our money in uh, in Bitcoin. We go put we go into the open market of Bitcoin, and we try to buy a hundred billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. You know what's going to happen? The price is going to go 
shoo, right? Because the only the only way some some type of sale happens with Bitcoin, the only way that you and I could buy one hundred billion dollars worth of Bitcoin is if people were willing to sell us their Bitcoin for X amount. Right now, that whole transaction probably would not be able to go through all in one whack because there's not enough people out there that are like, oh yeah, I'll just sell in the open market. So the price is probably going to get driven up as you go to do that, right? As you're as you're making the the full purchase, um, and I, w- I want to reel it back in there because you can get off on a tangent on that stuff. So then, as as Bitcoin continues to grow, the market cap of it continues to grow as more and more people are pouring into it. Um, it, it it takes much more money to really influence the the ups and the downs, right? So uh, the pumps and the dumps, right? I think that there's a lot of volatility in the market right now for Bitcoin because the market cap is small, right? There's a lot of money in and out of it right now because to your point and to everybody that says, why does why does Bitcoin uh, trade and look very similar to the stock markets? Because a, a lot of people, right? The majority of people still treat it as a uh, as a speculative asset, right? And so they're putting money in and they're taking it out and they're trying to time the markets, buy low, sell high, the whole thing. And when you've got a lot of money moving in and out of something that doesn't have a huge market cap, you will see the volatility of it, right? And that's exactly where we're at. And and this is why uh, it's it's interesting to see whenever you have those big downturns, uh, they call it shaking shaking the weak hands, right? It's the people that were the speculative buyers that aren't really buying on the fundamentals of Bitcoin. They're buying for, oh, I think it's going to go up. I'm going to get rich. And then it tanks. And then they're like, then, then they, they, they lose their hand, right? They, they, get, uh, they get scared and they pull out and they, they sell off low for a loss. Or, or even worse, somebody is leveraged in and they get, their, they get their leverage called and now they get liquidated and they've got to pull all their dollars out. And it's a loss for everybody. And then you see even even sharper decreases in the price, right? Which is again, like people look at it as as it's such a negative thing. This is just what happens in an open market. This is what would happen in a in in an equities market at some level, right? If if there wasn't uh, all the regulation. And I say that I, I I don't think that regulation for for Bitcoin is bad. I think that it'll uh, I think that it'll give a lot a lot of people clarity. Um, at the end of the day, they, they can't they can't change the protocol. They can't change this and that. Um, it, it is a free open market, right? But um, it, it's it's really strange to see the types of volatility that we see. But it's because we're not used to it in other markets, right? If if the if the if the value of your home went up and down at the same percentages that Bitcoin goes up and down, you probably freak out a little bit, right? But at the end of the day you're not worried about the value of your home because you've got a place to live here. It doesn't matter, right? Like I've got a bed, I've got a kitchen, I've got a restroom. I've got, I got everything I need, right? I got food. I I can stay here. It's warm in the house. You know, I'm not worried about it. And the same is also true with Bitcoin, except it's not physical. And that's why people can't figure it out, right? The, The store value property of it, right? Even through these pumps and dumps, the dollar value of it going up and down the dollar value. And that's a big piece. The dollar value of it going up and down has nothing to do with the fixed supply that it is, right? There's only so much Bitcoin out there. And the Bitcoin that you and I own in our own wallets that are not custodial wallets, they are our own Bitcoins. Um, We own those and nobody can take them from us. And nobody can inflate the supply of Bitcoin to devalue that Bitcoin that we hold. And that's, that's huge, man. 
Yeah, so I think we should, let's take it to the uh, last topic here, honestly, of you ever have a conversation with someone that's short Bitcoin. I wouldn't normally read the topics out loud like that, but I love that you wrote it like that because, yes, <laughs> every my life. And I think it just goes to show us how early we are. Um, people, Bitcoin really is just making economics a science. I just, I think everybody should understand that Bitcoin, and we will continue the search what all of it is. But I truly feel like Bitcoin is kind of its own country, kind of its own. Uh, it is its own economy. Am I still good? My choppy. Yeah, you're, you're still choppy, uh, but yeah, that's tough. I'll, of- I'll leave it. I'll I'll give my I'll give my little closing thoughts here then, and then give it over to Nick. Uh, apologize for the choppiness today. Bitcoin is an economy. Bitcoin is potentially a country because do A B C without B. People are short Bitcoin because they don't understand how valuable that is. And it's hard to quantify how valuable an entire digital economy is when we've never had one before. Why people are short Bitcoin, it's a rough deal because what they don't understand is if the world really is like your Ready Player One scenario, which who knows, it very well could be in the next 20 years, you're going to want a piece of that digital world because the digital world, in my opinion, is going to be much less about the metaverse and much more about how Bitcoin and the digital world impacts the, the applications that impact the physical world and physically get more people involved into the economy. The more, the more talented the world becomes, the better the technology, the better the evolution of people becomes smarter we become, the more places we can go, all that. So I just think that's why if you're short Bitcoin, you just don't, you're not thinking with me because it really is this big, this very fast. 100%, man. That's that's the truth. You know, you were kind of hitting on some pieces there um, that, that are really interesting as far as when when we have sound money, when money is hard and we've got sound money, the culture, the society, the people are able to flourish because of something called time preference. And, and this is something that we're preparing for. It's going to be a great episode. We have not, we have not gotten there yet. It's, it's such a huge topic, but um, whenever money is easy, whenever money is soft, it inherently dwindles your time preference or uh, it, it heightens your time preference. I, I rather it makes you, it makes you nearsighted. You, you only play for today. Maybe you play for tomorrow. Maybe you play for next week, but you're not thinking five or 10 or 20 years into the future because of the uncertainty of the money, right? You can't, what's the, what's the value of looking into the future with your savings if your savings in the future is going to be worth considerably less than what it is today, right? That inherently makes you think about the, the near future versus the later future. Um, and whenever you've got hard money, whenever you've got sound money that holds its value, that allows people to store capital on the side and think about the larger future way out into the future, right? Talk about several generations out. um, And and that allows us to 
cultivate things to make things better for the future, right? I, I think there's this, there's a, um, a statistic out there somewhere that says something about this is the first generation that thinks that um, the next generation is going to have it worse than we are or something like that, you know, whatever, whatever the terminology is. Um, I got to imagine that there's some level of time preference that is, that is affecting that, right? It, now bring in, bring in social media to it as well, right? We get the instant gratification of scrolling through and, you know, I've never been like a, you know, got to get likes and got to get views and all that kind of stuff. I mean, obviously it's nice with the podcast and stuff. People get to listen, shout out to you, Justin, got one of the guys at the office. He listens to all of them. Super, super cool guy. We get to talk about it. We have some fun with it and stuff, but I appreciate you, know, you Justin. Yeah, buddy. So uh, it was funny. He he listened to the episode last week, whatever we were talking about, whatever we were talking about Bitcoin being the government. And he said, uh, we came into the office on Monday. And he said, there's trouble in paradise. I said, what are you talking about? He said, sound like you and Griff were getting in a pretty big, pretty big little argument there. And I was like, no, we're just, we're just kind of having our conversation, you know? <laughs> but uh, so anyway, shout out to you, Justin. Appreciate you listening. It can turn into an argumentative form. Don't worry, Justin. It gets argumentative. We, we can do it that. Is what we it is. Do we yeah. don't. But I think that's the thing about it is with like Bitcoin, and this is my favorite part. Every time I argue, Dad, when, it's easy to sew up the argument. It's easy. It's easy to argue, but then it's easy to just patch it together because at the end of the day, when you believe in Bitcoin, what you're believing in is truth in money. What you're believing in is yanking investment what you're trying to do is really correct a lot of things just through money just through purifying money that's why i feel like it's easy to argue and come back but that's just kind of my thinking about it yeah um griff i want you to play devil's advocate here for a second what is uh what is the biggest obstacle in the way of bitcoin right now moving forward into the into the near future let's call it in the next year to five years what do you think is the biggest obstacle i kind of think it's um the world's kind of old like just i think in america people are old a lot of boomers birth rates declining things like that um i think the biggest obstacle for bitcoin's global adoption is getting third world countries caught up enough to use Bitcoin. Um, And I think the other aspect is uh, to that, like globalization is very hard and it's very tricky. Uh, I think the biggest, seriously, I think the biggest obstacle for Bitcoin is it's literally going to be Bitcoin, the United States and the NATO and the UN and whatever, and Russia and China. I mean, it's going to be like Bitcoin's competing against all of those because you can say what you want, but there are a lot of people that clearly do not want Bitcoin to happen. They don't want it to happen, even though it's better for everybody. You don't want it to happen. If you've done your homework on Bitcoin, it's not something that's coming to get you. Okay. Very simple. But the math and code and those kinds of things are very hard to build and took a lot of imagination. But it really didn't take that long. I mean, TCP IP 1971, global money in 2008. I mean, it's natural. Internet was a country or the internet is a company or the internet is 
an economy or whatever you want to say that it is, it's natural to say that maybe its best advancement came 30, 40 years after its inception. It probably, I, let's be honest, there's probably something back point in time that's free to everybody. The point of the internet is that it's free information for all. The point of Bitcoin is that it's free money for all. So what else can we do digitally to make everybody free? So I think that's the biggest, to tie it back in, I think that's why uh, the biggest obstacle for Bitcoin is um, just globalization. I mean, that's, it's, it's really broad, but I think that's what its biggest obstacle is, whether it's education, whether it's trying to get small governments on board with over, like oligarchs, overlords all over the world who are not going to just keep, like, let this happen. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest, biggest uh, obstacle, but it can happen, I, I think. I think um, I think mine is kind of similar. Uh, mine's more on the side of uh, the actual infrastructure, right? Like we, we talked a little bit about it last week with, you know, the the truckers in Canada, right? They're sending them a bunch of Bitcoin, but if unless they are able to spend those Bitcoins uh, within the Bitcoin network, the government, whoever the government is, can still regulate what happens at the exchanges, right? If, you, if you've got to exchange the, the Bitcoin for US dollars or Canadian dollars, they can still regulate that, right? They can still say, no, you, you can't do that. You can't exchange this for they that. Right? They can still do that. They, did. they already did that. And they did that, right? And so I, I think, uh, I think a, a big hurdle that we're going to have to get figured out, and I don't think it's really much of a hurdle. I think it's just a matter of people just adopting and saying, okay, let's do it, Right. Um, and expending some money, like think of think of think of uh, Amazon and um, and Walmart and all, you know, all, all these huge outfits that have these uh, these huge numbers in revenues and sales on a on a daily, weekly, monthly, annually base. Um, think of think of those companies if instead of having to go through some weird third party to try to buy a, a gift card to buy something online with your Bitcoin. Instead of having to do that, what if you could just pay and check out with Bitcoin directly on the Bitcoin network or directly on the Lightning network, right? That I think that's going to be a hurdle that we've got to get that thing going. Um, yeah. so, that then, so that then people can, can hold Bitcoin and spend Bitcoin and never leave the network, right? Because the network is probably one of the most powerful things of Bitcoin, uh, it, again, what is Bitcoin, right? It's all of these things. It's the network is one of the most powerful pieces because, uh, you know, why, why is the dollar so powerful, right? It's the network. The network of the dollar is one of the, va- the biggest uh, pieces of the dollar, the biggest values of the dollar. Why, why, would, why are people scared to put their money in Bitcoin? Because everybody does business and buys and sell th- sells things in dollars, Right. It's the network. It's the network of it. A whole business doesn't want to move all of its 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 transactions over to Bitcoin, right? Think of think of uh, your business or my business, and I'll use mine because I'm familiar with mine. Uh, construction, right? What if we what if we moved our company into a complete Bitcoin standard, and we said we are only paying and and receiving payment in Bitcoin, and we're going to store all of our value in Bitcoin. We're we're moving away from the dollar. That's probably not a good move for us right now because everybody else does business in the dollar. You know, we have to have dollars on hand. Now, I know you and I could, we could talk long-term about- um, about People gotta make the jump at some point. You know what I'm saying? I think this is maybe a good place. Maybe this is what we'll talk about ne- on our next week's episode, but 
I mean, people, you got to take the leap. And I think the earlier the leap, the better. I think that it is possible, but maybe we can do an episode about that in the future where it's like, if you want to become a business in America operating on the Bitcoin standard, how can you do that? Uh, yeah, it's definitely difficult, but I always think sooner the better, honestly, but that's just my, I, I, and I agree with you, but if you're trying to do business, it, it takes you back to the, to the same issue you have with the barter system and where money came from originally. Right. Um, if you and I are bartering with each other and I want what you've got, but I can only exchange what I've produced and you don't want what I've produced. Well, then w- there's no transaction, right? The transaction can't go through because you don't want what I've got and I'm trying to get what you got, but we have to have some type of medium of exchange in order to facilitate that, right? Um, if if we do business in Bitcoin, but our, our clients don't do business in Bitcoin, well, then they, we can't, we, we have to have some other mediary, inter, intermediary or um, medium of exchange in order to do business back and forth that way, right? Which again, comes back to the network power of the dollar, right? The dollar has a huge network, probably lar- significantly larger than Bitcoin's network um, because it's utilized more, right? It's accepted in more places. It's it's more widely accepted, and and that's I think that that is is a real tough hurdle to get over for a lot of people because it takes that that leap of faith. Okay, we're just going to go ahead and start doing it, right? I mean, look at look at El Salvador, right? This is kind of a, a fun example, right? Uh, look at El Salvador. They moved to Bitcoin as legal tender in was that 2020 or 2021? Late 2020. 2021, whatever it was, they move over to Bitcoin as legal tender. And do you think, do you think that uh, El Salvador cares about the price going up and down in dollars? No, they don't because they're, they're utilizing Bitcoin as the scarce asset. They're using, they're utilizing it as Bitcoin. They don't care about the dollar price of Bitcoin. They care about how many, how many Satoshis, how many Bitcoin does this cost? And does that, does that cost? And, And the interesting part about that is you and I go on our phones and we see the amount of Bitcoin that we own, the dollar price of Bitcoin does not affect how much Bitcoin I own. It doesn't affect that. You know, I, I own, if you own one Bitcoin, 100 million Satoshis, and the price of Bitcoin tanks, that doesn't change that I own one Bitcoin or 100 million Satoshis. That doesn't change that. That, that, all, that, that dollar price of, of Bitcoin, the external price, whether it's in euros or yen or whatever, that only matters if you try to take that Bitcoin out of the network. So I, I think a hurdle that we've got to get over is, is developing the infrastructure for utilizing, holding, storing value in Bitcoin and being able to do business in Bitcoin, buy our groceries in Bitcoin, buy our gas in Bitcoin, get my hair cut in Bitcoin, buy my clothes in Bitcoin, all of the, whatever it is, without ever leaving the network. Before we wrap it up here, I just want to say, though, to Nick's point, the U.S. dollar has been around since, what, 1913 was the Fed. So we've been in this fiat kind of world, 50 years fiat standard. What, What was their best invention? What was their best? What was money's best development in the last 50 years? The Western Union? Credit cards? What? Fourteen years. It already has the Lightning Network. You can already transfer value for free anywhere in the world. So I kind of just think 
think about the progression of Bitcoin versus the progression of a fiat standard. It's already proving to be much faster and much better. Um, the fiat money did ever, and it has no support, none really. I mean, literally, just a bunch of people would consider lunatics that just believe in it, that are starting it. But wait until people really hop on with more infrastructure, more everything that you're talking about. I think it's just very, very possible. Yeah. But I just want to say, I, I think that there really is probably an answer for everything with Bitcoin. Um, we just might not see it or know it yet. It's growing very fast. Yep. Well, good deal, man. I think uh, <clears throat> I think that wraps up a pretty solid little episode. Um, hey, we uh, we have uh, a YouTube channel. If you are not watching on YouTube, come check us out. Um, we record these on Zoom and we post them so you can see a little bit more of our facial expressions and how we're uh, how we're interacting with each other on that end. Um, so come check us out on YouTube. It is the Nick and Griff Show. Um, we've got nine episodes there out now. Uh, if you're if you're watching this on YouTube right now or listening right now, uh, this is episode number ten. Also. Come hit us on Twitter, man. The uh, the Twitter DMs are always open. It's at Nick and Griff Show. Um, come hit us up. We like posting stuff. We like having conversations uh, with people, um, and so we always want to uh, to keep that that communication open for for everybody. So come check us out on Twitter. Um, we would love to talk with you. We would love to have. Uh, we we you know I think we're getting to a point. We got to have another guest on the on the show. weren't we thinking about? Uh, I think Odie was thinking about hopping on another you Albany teammate uh, that might be kind of fun um, but yeah so come hit us on Twitter watch us on YouTube if you if you're not on YouTube yet if you haven't seen us on YouTube yet and we will see you guys next time